Hello everyone, and welcome to Between the Characters. My name is Jordan, and I'll be your host. I've been playing and running tabletop games for about eight years, and LARPing for about seven of those. This isn't your ordinary actual play tabletop podcast. Here, we talk about game systems, what we like, what we don't like, and how to be a better player and a better game master. I've talked about the bare bones of playing tabletop games. I've talked about beginning a character. I've even talked about the types of fun that you can have with tabletop. But what about the actual nuts and bolts of the game? That's what I want to get more into in future episodes. And now that we've got a little bit of a firmer foundation, let's talk about it. How do you play? What kind of games should I be looking for? There are so many different types of game systems, it's really overwhelming. An easy way that you can categorize them are through their resolution mechanics, typically those are dice-based, and if gameplay is more pass-fail, or if it's narratively controlled. I'm going to be completely honest with you and put my biases out on the table. I have a sore spot when it comes to the shiny click-clack math rocks. I have what some would call legendary bad luck when it comes to rolling, to the point where I have considered getting weighted dice just so I would have a fair shot at playing some of these games. Jordan, come on, everyone has bad luck sometimes. No, no, this isn't bad luck. This is consistently rolling low when I need to roll high, and rolling high when I need to roll low for about five years. This is me rolling a negative 13 due to exploding downward dice. This is me rolling a 77 consecutively on different percentile dice and essentially killing my character after so many failures that I was convinced I was cursed. This is me critically failing so hard that a smarts-based supervillain I was playing had permanent brain damage and became unplayable. What I'm saying is, Pass-fail games don't treat me well unless I have a skilled game master that understands my limitations and knows that they need to give me wins in other ways that aren't related to dice. I will fail most of the dice rolls. When I say I have a bias against the fickle luck of the dice roll, I really do mean it. But that doesn't mean I can't enjoy them, I just have to find other ways to have fun. My favorite game system is a d20 system after all. So what kind of game systems are there? Probably too many to count or list in an exhaustive manner, but we'll hit the big ones I've seen in the tabletop world. Dice-centered games are going to typically have a main dice that you roll for actions, and then you add skills, attributes, and other modifiers to that roll to reach the target number. We have our general d20 system, like Dungeons & Dragons, or Pathfinder, or d20 Modern, etc, etc. I'll be honest, on RPG Geek, you can type in D20 system and there's over 65 pages of results. It's one of the most popular and classic tabletop game styles out there. We also have percentile systems where you roll two D10s. Typically, you're trying to get over or under a specific number on those ones as well. A memorable game that uses a percentile system is Call of Cthulhu. We have D10 systems like Unisystem, or just about any game in the White Wolf catalog, like Vampire the Masquerade or Werewolf the Apocalypse. We have D6 games, infamously Shadowrun. 
D10 and D6 games do tend to lend themselves to dice pooling. This is where you create a dice pool and only a few numbers on those dice are actually going to be successes. The point of these games is to roll a lot of dice all at once so you have more of a chance to roll those target numbers. Another common one, and the one that I'll be diving into more during the game review today, is an attribute-based resolution system. A good example of this is Savage Worlds. Attributes are typically assigned a die type, and you roll that dice for the attribute and necessary skills. Most of these games are going to be pass-fail. You try to hit a target. If you meet or beat that target number, you pass. If you don't, you fail. This is how a lot of games have always been run. But there is another way. Instead of succeeding or failing, you instead take narrative control of the scene. This is pretty popular in newer indie games. Let's say that I actually succeed in a dice roll in this kind of system, and for dramatic effect I want to heighten the tension. I can take over the scene because I won the roll. I can add details that I want to make the situation more dangerous for the entire party. I'd still be succeeding in what I plan to do, but I have a little more control over how I do it and feel like my ideas and actions are actually changing the world around me rather than me just reacting to them. This type of narrative style does require a little more from both players and the game master. You have to be able to roll with the punches and come up with things on the fly. It's good for game masters that might not want to do a lot of session prep and just want to read the table and go with the flow. A game I love that delves into this type of storytelling and play is the game Bluebeard's Bride, which specifically asks the game master to read the room and up the horror in the game based on how uncomfortable the players are feeling at that moment. I let the players do all the legwork for me. What's not to love? These type of systems, while they still use dice and rules and character sheets, harken back to shared stories around a campfire or even playing pretend when you were little. They play fast and loose, and you're not wrapped up in textbooks looking for just the right phrasing in the rules to make sure you can do something. If you can think it and it makes sense with the story, the rule of cool prevails. If you're thinking about incorporating some of these ideas into your games, you might want to take it for a spin with a low-stakes game, hopefully one set in a world where all of the players can be comfortable. When my husband tossed me the Kids on Brooms book over the summer of last year, I didn't really touch it. I had other things to do. COVID restrictions had me down, and I knew that it was maybe just a magical version of Kids on Bikes, which I never showed any interest in. I love me some Stranger Things and 80s nostalgia, but I just didn't want any more of it in my life at that moment. Harry Potter-esque type of worlds don't really do it for me anyway. I grew up in a culture that was convinced tabletop games were of the devil and that reading Harry Potter would send you straight to hell. I kind of missed out on the opportunity to grow up with those characters and in that world that most of my friend group has. I finally picked it up to read because it's colorful, unassuming, and it's only about 100 pages. Easy to read, easy to write about, perfect first podcast review, I thought. And ooh boy, am I kicking myself for not reading it and running it sooner. I got so excited about it, I decided to write up this initial review before even playing the game. 
The next episode will be an actual review on how it plays, maybe some examples from my sessions sprinkled throughout, but I needed to tell people about this game. I know I have a lot of friends that loved Harry Potter dearly and feel betrayed by she who shall not be named and her rampant turf opinions and anti-Semitism. Seriously. She wrote a Holocaust allegory and then made the bankers goblins? Really? We all know that death of the author is a philosophy, but I know that it still hits my friends really hard. This game, while never mentioning Harry Potter, is obviously using the tropes from a magical school fiction and embraces everything about communities that were left out or badly represented by its predecessors. This game starts out talking about making safe spaces for players and being conscientious if the game is being played in public or in private. And it also talks about collaborative storytelling, not winning and losing. Then it goes on to tell you that magic can make anything in the world easily accessible to people with disabilities. It talks about how maybe don't make things from closed or sacred practices as flavor for your witchcraft. It even addresses trauma, disability, and oppression tourism, and how to appropriately play a character with disabilities that may be different from your own. All in all, this game has some really fantastic, easy-to-understand, and very well-written acknowledgements on how to make games accessible and comfortable for everyone. It's a fast read, and while I didn't immediately get campaign ideas like I get from some other games, it certainly made me really excited to play. Before we talk about the mechanics of how to actually play, I do want to talk about the one thing that I absolutely adored and will probably incorporate into games other than this in my Session Zeros. That's the world and character creation. Before you even start creating the game as a game master, all of the players should come together and answer a few questions about the school that they're all creating together, including but not limited to its name, where it's located, what it's most known for, and several notable magical landmarks. The next portion that really caught my eye is in a similar vein, but having to do with character creation. Depending on the amount of time that you have, two minutes, five minutes, and eight minutes. Everyone goes around the table and answers questions about other people's characters that are randomly rolled. This does a fantastic job of making sure that all of the players know each other, or at least know of each other. It's not all positive either. Some of these procedurally generated tables are all about why you're rivals or even enemies. So how does the rest of character creation work? Well, you pick a trope, kind of like in the game Masks, if you're familiar with that. There's a bunch of tropes to pick from, anything from the typical reluctant oracle to the bully to famous teacher. That is your building block, and it tells you what stats you have. The stats are brains, fight, flight, grit, charm, and brawn, and those are all pretty self-explanatory. Whichever trope you pick tells you what dice to roll for that specific attribute, from a d4 to a d20. You answer a few questions to flesh out your character, and then let the group answer some questions as well. You pick up strengths and some fears to make sure that you are a well-rounded character. You also get to pick out a broom and a wand, all of which have different effects and grant you different bonuses and traits. There's no mechanical benefit to being a magical race like a centaur or a vampire or a fae, since you would still fall into a specific trope, and it definitely lends itself to being more about the story and flavor of the character than any sort of mixing of race and class benefits. You also get to pick your class schedule, which essentially becomes your skills. 
there's a neat little chart about what type of skills go with what type of class, and it encourages players and game masters to be creative with skills. Once someone completes a class, they get a strength in checks about that type of thing. So if you wanted to make a potion and just got an A in potions class, you may have a plus one to make that check. Or who knows? Maybe if you're crafty enough, you know where your teacher keeps potions in his desk. And you can just sneak down there and get it the easy way. And at the heart of it all is the magic system. A player describes what they want to do and makes a case for what attribute it would use. The game master decides the difficulty of casting the spell and then the dice are rolled. If it goes well, everything is good. If you don't make the check, then there may be physical repercussions. I like this magic system because it's only limited by what you can imagine and what's ethical. Any player that deliberately kills a person and it's not in self-defense immediately becomes an NPC. There are no health points in this game. Any fight is dangerous and could cause serious bodily harm or death. Magic, while fun and convenient and charming, has that dark and dangerous side that will swallow your young, or not-so-young, characters alive without a second thought. Even falling off a broom at a great height could seriously hurt or take a player out for a considerable part of the game. As a first impression, even for someone not really into the whole magic school craze, I absolutely plan to run this game and add it to my usual repertoire. We'll see how it plays out next episode, but as of now, it's definitely something to pull up if you like narrative storytelling and low prep games. Now before I go, I do want to just quickly list out some pros and some cons of this game that I've found so far. The pros, we have low prep, it's very versatile, which means it could be as lighthearted and funny or as grim as you wanted, and it can be played as a one-shot or a campaign. It's very inclusive, and it has a lot of built-in safety mechanics. For cons, it can require a lot of improvisation and quick thinking for a game master. If you are the type of person that just likes to pick up a module and run it, not have a whole lot of thought, not have to do a whole lot of thinking on your feet, this probably isn't the game for you. It can also be pretty difficult for shy players or new players who might not be able to advocate for themselves or join in on the storytelling just yet. The tropes are limited and there aren't any additional supplements for tropes. Although I assume that you could use tropes from other games in other systems that are similar to this one, like something from Kids on Bikes. Next episode, hopefully you'll join me for a full review on how it actually plays at the table. Some things sound great on paper and then you actually try it and it all falls apart. Fingers crossed I get some fun students to torture with homework and maybe some dark shadows in the library. Thank you for listening to Between the Characters. Our intro, outro, and bumper music is from The Reckoning by Arrowhead under the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 Unported License. You can find a link to his SoundCloud in the show notes. If you have a topic that you'd like to see addressed, a question or a problem that needs solving, advice for new players, or have a suggestion for a game system that you want someone to look at, feel free to shoot me a message on anchor.fm between the characters podcast at gmail.com or you can find me on between the characters on Facebook. 